What's going on everybody? It's your boy Kelechi and we're back with another rambling podcast. What? Rambling Mind Podcast episode. Bruh, it's like when you don't eat your head just does not understand the things that needs to come out of your mind. My goodness, what am I doing? But how is everyone doing? How are y'all doing today? I hope y'all have had a wonderful week so far. I've had a pretty good week, a busy week, but a good week. You know what's weird? So down south, we're in a freeze warning right now because all of a sudden the temperature dropped. Uh, all of a sudden, like it just went from decently warm or decently cold to freezing down south. And so they put a freeze effect into into effect. And I was telling one of my friends who lives in Ohio, and he was he was laughing at us because he sent me a picture. It was a very beautiful picture. But he had to go to work and he, it had just snowed like five inches outside. And so he was laughing. It was like, y'all get any semblance of like cold and y'all shut everything down. And it's true. That was south. We don't do cold very well. We don't deal with the cold that well at all. Where he is, it snows all the time. Like it's been snowing up there. It's below freezing. It's below like zero degrees up there. And, and he's just been living life. I have another friend in Minnesota. And it's snowing and all this stuff. The temperature has been below 20 for the last how many weeks. And they're cool. They're just like going about life. If a single drop of snow falls in the south, we shut down everything. So right now, we're in the midst of a snow, uh, of an ice freeze, a freeze warning right now down south. Because the temperature dropped below 30 degrees. And it's cold, man. It's so cold outside. I can't. This is why I don't live in the north. This is why I don't live in the northern part of the United States of America. Well, specifically the northeastern part of the United States of America. Because my gosh, it is cold. It is cold in this place, man. It's cold up there. I can't do it. I have a couple of friends that just went up to um, Madison, Wisconsin. If you know anything about Wisconsin, that place is cold. And they went up there for some training. And he's over there. He sent me a picture it was it's, the the weather report was it feels like negative seven because of the wind chill and it was already eight degrees out outside and it said it feels like negative seven so I was just like oh my gosh like I don't want to be anywhere close to any of that that's way too cold I'm over here complaining because it was barely 25 today and I was like I was all the way bundled bundled up I had a hat on to cover my ears I had a jacket I was wearing a sweater I was wearing a shirt I was layered down I was all the way layered down and by the way side topic how come we just we wear like single layers even when it's cold like uh, single layers on our legs let me be specific on our legs even when it's cold it's like you wear jeans when it's hot, and when it's cold, you still just wear jeans. When it's really cold, you put on some long johns. But apart from that, for the most part, it feels like our bottom part of our body, we just kind of let it be. Like, we don't really cover it up like we do the top part. If anybody knows the reason why we're able to get away with that, let me know. I don't really know. Hit me up on Insta or on Twitter. I'm going to keep pushing this button. <laughs> Hit me up on Instagram or Twitter. Again, it's at Main. As y'all already know, link should be in the show notes. In case you don't know, there is show notes on this. Every single episode, I have show notes, and it summarizes what we're talking about on the episode. But how are y'all doing? I hope it's not as cold for y'all as it is for me. But if it is as cold for y'all, or if you're living in one of these cold places that I don't want to venture out to during the winter months, I'll go visit it during the summer and the spring because it's not that bad at that point in time. 
I'm sorry. Just, you know, do what you can. Stay warm and don't freeze over. Don't touch any metals without your gloves. But anyway, let's get right into the business that it is today. So, 2019 is turned into the year of the CEO apocalypse. What do I mean by that? In 2019, we have had the highest CEO turnover ratio in over 10 years. Since the beginning of the year, we've had 1,176 CEOs have either been fired or have voluntarily left their positions for a plethora of different types of reasons this has happened. Each one had a different reasons why they had to leave the company or why they were terminated. This is with two months still to go with the rest of the year. The last time we saw something like this was in 2008 with 1,257 CEOs leaving the job in that year. And if we remember correctly, that year, and I've, I know I've referenced 2008 and 2009 a lot in a lot of these episodes of this podcast, is just because of how pivotal 2008 was, because of how big that year was with the downturn of the economy and the recession that was going on in those years. And again, that was the reason for those uh, for those CEOs being let, let go of the job. So once again, we are in that kind of region where it makes economists go, wait a minute, if we're seeing this high rate of turnover for CEOs, doesn't that mean that we're seeing something that's causing, doesn't that mean that we might be heading into a recession or are in a recession? In fact, a lot of economists have just said next year, the US is going to experience a recession and all a recession is, is two quarters of negative growth or of not seeing growth in the economy. So some examples of some notable companies that have let their CEOs go and each one of these, you can, once I say the name, a story might pop into your mind about why they might have led them and some of them you may not even know about. So Nike and Under Armour, their CEOs just stepped down or stepped down, I believe it was last month. And both of them, they had different scandals that happened with them, different scandals with some sexual assault allegations against both of those CEOs. So that played against them. Nissan had issues with their with money laundering and all this other stuff that they had with their CEO. McDonald's, they're just not having a good time right now. Gap and Wells Fargo, and we all know about what happened with Wells Fargo and that whole banking scandal. So that's just an example of some companies that are seeing some major turnover in CEOs. And Gap, and if you don't know, Gap is the owner of Old Navy. Gap is one of the biggest clothing store lines that there is. But right now, it is seeing negative growth. It's not growing, and it is starting to affect Old Navy as well. And so for a plethora of reasons, all different CEOs are losing the job. And it's making economists, like I talked about, question what exactly is going on. But CEOs, as we've talked about, remember one of the first episodes of Rambling Mind I ever did, I talked about how CEOs are no longer seen as just CEOs. They're no longer seen as just heads of companies that all we look for you to do is get profits. In the past, all we would look at CEOs is how much profits are you getting? And it would always be, you can do whatever you want. You can be as toxic as possible. You can do all the horrible things to your workers. You can be the worst person on this earth and investors didn't care. People didn't care as long as there were profits being made. That's no longer the case in 2019, as we've talked about. It's no longer the case. CEOs are seen as much more of that. We're seen as people who have to lead a cause and stand up for something. You can't just be a CEO and do whatever you want. 
We've seen different organizations, and we'll talk about it later, where we've seen even CEOs of high-tech companies standing up for immigration stuff, immigration rulings, and standing to defend DACA and all this other stuff, because you can no longer just be a CEO and not uh, defend something. You can no longer be a CEO and be like, I don't care about the environment. I don't care about all the um, misogyny things going on in our society. I don't care about any of these things. You can't just be a CEO and play the sidelines. You have to be in the game. You have to be part of social issues every which way that you may look at it you have to be a part of that and that is what's driving the change that's one of the biggest reasons that change is being driven in so many different companies and so many different places there's a new breed of ceos that have to be born and they are starting to take over a lot of these roles because more is being asked of ceos you can't just get profits you have to get profits and also stand for something some kind of social injustice or something you can't just be well we made money we reached our profits this year it doesn't work that way with the way that we are in the world today people care about how their food is being made people care about how their clothes are being made people care about the the relationship of a ceo to co-workers people care about what kind of work environment is a ceo upholding in his company things of that such are so much more bigger than they've ever been in the history of of business and so ceos are being upheld to a higher standard and because of that ceos that can't live up to that hype that can't live up to that standard are being ushered out are being pushed out are being forced out the doors as investors are asking more from the companies as customers are asking more from the companies and we're seeing that play out more and more and more that's why we're seeing such a high turnover in ceos of course there's also the issue of the trade war and the issue of the economy of where we're going right now with things just looking bleak and so if you're not able to meet your expectations you're not able to consistently deliver on the things that you said well a change has a change has to be made in the foresight of investors and so whenever that happens usually a ceo is out of the job so being a ceo is not easy it's not easy that's a lot of pressure that's a lot of things that you have to always be on top of every single word you say every single thing you do is very much scrutinized that if you think of a company like apple for example tim cook every move he makes just like think about how tesla they had to remove elon musk from being the ceo of tesla because he was tweeting out all kinds of nonsense and getting the the company in trouble and it was affecting their stocks and it was affecting more importantly shareholders dollars that's why they were like yo elon we ousting you from this position he's still the head of a lot of other things with tesla but they were like nah we, we're taking you out of this position because you are messing up our dollars you are messing up what we get paid by we like our earnings we like making money and so we started seeing a lot of this turnovers we've been seeing this turnover since the beginning of the year like i said over a thousand ceos have lost their jobs in this year alone moving in on just like we mentioned apple apple finally for the first time in history and this never happens like this just doesn't happen there are two things you can count on in history Popeye's delivering bad service chick-fil-a delivering good service and apple never leaking any of their future plans until it's time to leak that information but what are those things did happen and it's not that chick-fil-a gave me bad service chick-fil-a is wonderful Popeye's still sucks at their service Popeye's service is so trash so that's Anyway, moving. I'm, I'm, I'm not going on that. I'm not going on that rant. Apple's five-year product roadmap was recently leaked, 
and it was it was acquired by a magazine, a news outlet called The Information, who put out the news for everybody to see. And the main key things of what Apple is aiming to do in the next five years lies in two things, VR and AR. If you don't know what that is, VR is virtual reality and AR is augmented reality. If you don't know what that is, go look up, um, what's it called, the Microsoft HoloLens. They have a really good AR platform and they have a really good AR device. So you just look that up if you're not driving or if you're somewhere where you can just pull out your phone and look it up real quick, watch a quick video on what that is. It's really cool. Like these technologies are really cool. And what AR augmented reality does is you wear a pair of glasses and it overlays a software, or it overlays images on the real world. So let's say you're at a desk, instead of having a computer on your desk, it will overlay some kind of computer system on your desk that you can work on without having to go to a computer screen. Or if you're just walking around your house and you want a TV, a TV to pop up on the side without you having to actually go to an actual TV station, you can do that. Or even think about it where uh, in the past, I don't know if anybody remembers Google Glass. Google Glass was like the first to break through with the whole AR concept. It was cool, but it didn't work that well. Well, Apple is jumping into the market of AR and VR and they're saying by 2022 and 2023 respectively they will have a AR and VR lenses and they are banking that this will be the new way that the industry goes. Google tried their hands at it a few years ago. I think it was like 2013, 14, 15. Around those years, Google tried their hands at AR where they had Google Glass. You can still find some images of it. But it just didn't go off that well. It was it didn't it didn't work as well as it was supposed to work. And you know if if Apple does anything, they do it really well. So we can expect a clean product whenever they launch this AR glasses, whenever they launch their Apple eyeglass. Yes, I just gave it a name. Eyeglass that will be something that people will actively proactively want to be a part of so it's interesting as we've seen and we've already seen apple kind of venture into the ar space a little bit with some of the things that they've put on their phones they've put a lot of things in their phones where you can use ar and have like a an artificial uh reality to set up your living room if you're trying to buy appliances from a store if you're trying to buy furniture from a store you can go into some of those apps and you can just say Oh, let me see if this will fit in my apartment before I go buy this thing. Amazon has apps for it as well, and Google has been working on it. Each one of these companies in their phone devices and the iPhones and the Pixel, they have a specific processor in their phone, an AR core for Google. I don't know what it's called for app for Apple. And basically this AR core is just so it can play stuff in the real world and make sure that it gets measurements right it gets things of that sort right and we're seeing them learn from those those processes to where they're gonna make a full-blown blown product so it's something to look forward to in 2022 and we can bet that unlike Google when they launch their platform Apple is gonna flesh every single detail out to make sure that people want to be a part of it. And everything, like we talked about how Google said that most of search results and how they cha they're changing the way search works, more influential with, not influential is not the right word, to work better with speech and non-touch search is the same thing Apple is seeing. Apple is seeing that people want to use their voice more, people want to use not do not want to actually go to their physical phone and touch it 
And so that's the way that we're moving towards. And the first step towards that will be AR. And eventually it will be cheap chips that will be implanted in our brains for us to never have to look up a computer and for us to always have us being tracked. Yeah, look forward to that future, everybody, where you are part man, part computer, because you have a chip in your brain. So this is just the first step. AR. Look forward to it. 2022 and 2023. Apple eyeglass. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Anyway, moving on from there, we got DACA. If you don't know what DACA is, DACA is the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And this is something that was put into place by Obama. It's a program that was put into place by Obama during his administration. Basically, it gave an opportunity for children who were brought to the U.S. illegally. Well, they're no longer children, but when they came to the U.S., they were children. They were they came as illegal immigrants. And so it gave them an opportunity to be able to work and be able to do a lot of things that they were otherwise not be able to do because their parents were illegal in the U.S. and they were undocumented. And so this gave them a path to be able to start building wealth for themselves, to be able to contribute to society, to be able to be to do something for themselves. Well, when Donald Trump got into office, he axed the whole thing and he tried to cancel it in 2017. Well, in different small courts and then state courts, the decision to cancel it out has been they sued him over they sued the federal government over it. Donald Trump said that DACA was unconstitutional and they are fighting back and saying it is not unconstitutional. So that has gone through multiple courts and multiple hearings and gone through all kinds of different things. And finally, it headed all the way to the Supreme Court. And yesterday, DACA presented before the Supreme Court and that case just begun. So this is key and this is very important. And this is a big, big ruling that can happen. And depending on how the Supreme Court rules on this case, it can change the lives of over 700,000 people that have put themselves into the DACA system so that they they are able to work and they are able to do what they need to do. How do I feel about the program? I agree with DACA. I like it, but I don't think it's the fleshed out finished product. The main reason why I don't think is the fleshed out finished product. It's a good step, but it's not the only step that needs to be taken, mainly because DACA does not give any of these people that have been in the United States since they were little kids a path to become citizens. In other words, they can work but it doesn't give them a path to be full-fledged citizens, which means that kids that probably have never known anywhere else, that have never known, not kids, but people who have never known anywhere else except for being in the United States are still not given a path to become a citizen, which to me doesn't make any sense. It's a good first step. This DACA program is a good first step, and I don't I don't think it should be eliminated. It should not be deleted. It should not be eliminated. It should be reserved and kept, but I don't think it's the whole fleshed out system. More needs to be done in order to change the system to help for a lot of these children and a lot of these people that are now fully grown trying to work and trying to be a part of society to no longer just be seen as illegal immigrants, but to change them from being illegal immigrants to become citizens of the country that they've known since they've been kids. And so DACA, the program is great. I don't understand why Donald Trump is trying to undo it because it's so I don't understand how Donald Trump thinks because mainly. He came out and he was like, well, I like the DACA program, but I'm still going to destroy it. And it's like, bro, that don't, what? Like, if you like the program and if you think it's good, then what are you talking about? And then the guy was like, well, it's because of all this hardened criminals that are part of the DACA program. And it's like, hold up, what? 
the thing about the program is the amount of detail that they go into, the amount of information you have to provide to the government to even be a part of the program is ridiculous. And the moment, the moment you are convicted of any kind of felony or any kind of anything, if, the, if you're locked up for any reason, even if it was like possession of marijuana, anything, anything like that, you are kicked out of the program and you are SOL. And so I don't understand when he comes out and says they are hardened criminals. It's just the BS that he just likes to spew to play into the, the whole idea of of those people who voted for him, who really believe that all immigrants are just out here to to steal your daughters, to rape your daughters, and to you know, to kill and murder your children. Like, what, what are you even talking about? It's just that whole mentality of stupidity that he has to keep feeding to because that's who voted for him and because those people are afraid because you're afraid of what you don't know. And so it's just so stupid. But DACA went before the Supreme Court. Hopefully it gets upheld by the Supreme Court. But we have a very conservative Supreme Court right now with a 3-2 advantage. And so everyone thinks when this goes to ruling next year, 2020, which is another thing, none of these things ever happen like that. It always takes time. It always takes a long period of time to actually work. But Hopefully it doesn't get the ruling gets overturned and these DACA men and women are able to go back and keep working. Now, remember how I talked about CEOs have to stand up for something, have to say and be a part of society as a whole. Well, four CEOs from four from four of the five biggest tech companies in the world known as the what they call themselves, the big tech companies. I forget what they call them, but they are the major tech companies. So you have your Facebooks your Apple, your Amazons, your Microsoft, and your Googles of the world. Four of those five, with Amazon being the only one that didn't defend DACA, came out and were in defense of DACA and said, we need DACA. And the main reason for this is, if you, in case you don't know, I think 75% of S&P 500 companies hire a lot of DACA immigrants in their workforce. So it would be extremely detrimental and it is very very not in the favor of the united states to uphold this ruling another thing to think about is most of these ceos of these companies are either immigrants or their parents were were immigrants so you have people like uh sundar pachar who is the head of google or you have people like uh Nutella said, I always say his name wrong, who is the head CEO of Microsoft. Both of these people are either immigrants or their parents were immigrants. And so they really, really are going to stand up for this thing. And another big thing to think about, we talked about it before. Immigrants are a major commodity for the US in case nobody knows this. They are a major commodity, especially in the world of business and tech and in the world of education as well. Because in case you don't know, a high percentage of students that go do higher level education, meaning master's programs, PhD programs, those kind of things are not United States citizens. I think it was like over 60% or so are immigrants that come to the United States to do these, to do these higher level education things. And then also in the tech industry, a massive amount of people who work in the tech industry, especially in those big five that I just talked about 
are not American citizens. They are immigrants that came from other countries. And so they really believe that if we stop the flow of immigrants coming to the United States, that's a flow of ideas. That's a flow of growth that's being hindered. And so none of these big tech companies want that to even happen a little bit. They've already been fighting Donald Trump about all the immigration things he's been doing because they're already seeing some of the negativity that it's had on them, some of the impacts it's had on uh, on showing talent or on, on being accessible to some of the talents that they want to come to the United States to work for them, to be able to develop new things, to be able to make greater things. It's being attractive to new talent. And because of some of the rhetorics by Donald Trump and some of the rhetorics that has some of the things that have been passed, a lot of immigrants are like, nah, why would I go there? I'm going to go there and then I'm not even going to be able to do what I need to do anyway. Moving on from that, let's talk about some fun stuff. Disney Plus. So Tuesday, Disney Plus launched, which explains why the office was so empty. Like the parking lot, there was nobody there. Well, that plus it was like super cold. And you know, like I said, we live in the South. So people trying not to go anywhere. But Disney Disney Plus launched and I'm it's it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to Disney Plus mainly for one show, Mandalorian. And of course, all the cartoons that I watched growing up, X-Men. Spider-Man, all those cartoons that I watched when I was growing up, those are the things that I'm looking forward to the most on Disney+. Plus. Shout out to my boy Nietzsche for the hookup. So I'm going to be a holiday couch potatoes. It is just right in time for that. They had a lot of issues when the service launched, but nevertheless, it is launched. I've been seeing a lot of people like tweet about it, which is super surprising. I didn't think Disney would have that much people, but nostalgia is always good. Nostalgia is a good and easy way for people to make some money. I mean, I've, I know this very much so because I played COD, Call of Duty, for many years. And the only way that they got you hooked a lot of the time is by being nostalgic. Is by always saying, oh, remember the days that we had this? And they would drop something that's nostalgic, even though the game was trash. And it still works to this day. And Disney is using that to their advantage. With their large catalog of Disney movies and their massive catalog of now that because they acquired Pixar and they acquired Marvel... With those two huge catalogs that they have behind them, they're able to do so much. Also, in case you don't know, Disney also owns National Geographic and ESPN. And so, they're able to do a lot with this program. And I say program, with this new streaming site. From an industry's perspective, the stream war is completely going with the big dogs, Apple, Disney, and Amazon, and Netflix going toe-to-toe and vying for your eyeballs, trying to steal your eyeballs away. And of course, we have the mini players. We're looking at you, Hulu. But the good news for Hulu, in case y'all don't know, Disney owns a large portion of Hulu. That's why if there are some packages where you can get Hulu with Disney Plus, that's a big deal. So everything is trying to steal your eyeballs, trying to get your attention, trying to get your dollars, most importantly, even if you don't watch, as long as you subscribe, because they know people subscribe and end up not watching any of the things that they subscribe to. That's just happens a lot. And so Disney is aiming for about 90 million subs by 2024, which is what they said that they're expecting people to come in. And the main reason they're saying people are going to sub to their platform or going to subscribe is like we talked about. I just talked about it. Nostalgia. They're banking of nostalgia very heavily with their major catalogs that they have with Pixar movies and with Marvel movies. They're banking on people being wanting to either rewatch those movies or wanting to see what they're about to do with the new ones. Like I just talked about Mandalorian, which 
looks like the most interesting thing that they've done in a little bit so that's something to look out for and if you're on verizon you get a year free so that's also always a benefit from there we have stories on instagram instagram recently removed the like button from their platform mainly because they're doing this whole thing of health mental health consciousness thing where they're saying is not good to have the like button because it makes people compare themselves it makes people say oh people are not gonna like me because this didn't get enough likes i'm gonna take down this picture that kind of thing that's cool but for a company that is built literally built on exploiting your mental capacity in case you don't know what do i mean by that in case you don't know instagram is built on the same things that casinos build to be able to get people addicted to gambling to make people want to sit at a table and keep gambling like literally a lot of these social media platforms literally hired casino experts and said how did you people keep how do you people keep people inside a casino over and over and over throughout the years how do you keep them coming back for one and then how do you keep them when they are in them to spend more than they need to spend now think about that the same ideologies of what makes gambling casinos which is one of the things that has some of the most high restrictions before people can go into it is the same thing that instagram twitter facebook youtube all these social media platforms are built off of all the little clicks the likes the keep scrolling the newness of it the discover page all of those kind of things that just keep you wanting to go deeper and deeper and deeper that's the entire thing that the platform is built on so for me it's kind of ridiculous when they come out and say we're we're, we're removing the like button so that it can save your mental capacity it's like that doesn't fix the problem the main problem is the platform itself the platform itself if you're dealing with an addiction to instagram if you're dealing with an addiction to any of these platforms your best bet is not instagram taking off the like button your best bet is do away with the platform take a time away from the platform if it's starting to take way too much of your time if it's starting to dominate your day do away with it mute it do something remove notification turn notifications off on the platform do anything that you need to do but thinking that just removing the like button is going to all of a sudden help people's mental awareness that is not the case that is definitely not the case it is a decent step that instagram is taking but nevertheless if you are somebody who thinks this like situation removing the like button is going to help you then first of all delete instagram or turn off your notifications on it so that you're not mindlessly scrolling all the time like even for me sometimes i'm like oh man i'm bored and then i'll just pop out instagram and i'm just like scroll 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 and next thing i know an hour has passed and what have i done nothing i've been scrolling on instagram so i'll just i'll just say if you're really dealing with an addiction to any of these social media platforms the first step i would say is uninstall it if you don't want to do that turn off the notifications so you don't get notified for likes you don't get notified for follows you don't get notified for any of these things that are just like random distractions that happen throughout the day one of the things that i'm really big on now is the only notifications i want to get is one-to-one interactions like i only want to get noticed notified when somebody either messages me calls me do what you need to do for your mental health like do what you need to do from not being so tied to your cell phone like separate yourself from it anyway the last one i have oh and before i go there remember when snapchat was really really growing and was exploding and was like whoa disappearing messages i can add something to my stories and then all of a sudden 
First of all, we heard the news that Instagram or Facebook tried to buy Snapchat. Snapchat said, F off. We don't want to sell. We're good enough. We're growing. We're doing what we need to do. And then Zuckerberg was like, you're going to regret that. And basically the very next week, Instagram and Facebook came out with their own stories feature. Well, Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg are right back at it. They have a new feature they want to call Real, which is basically a straight ripoff of TikTok. Remember we talked about TikTok and how it's growing? By the way, TikTok is now the fastest app to reach over a billion downloads. It reached a billion downloads faster than Instagram or Facebook ever reached a billion downloads. And a billion downloads equals a billion users. That's that's just a crazy amount. So TikTok is doing well. And with that, Facebook and Instagram is like, yo, we're about to start losing users. So what do they do? They do what they always do best, copy and paste. <laughs> It's like when you when you when you're late on your homework, it's like, oh man, I ain't got homework. What do I do? What do I do? It's like, yo, bro, what you got, man? And he's like, nah, I ain't, I ain't giving you my homework. And then the dude walks out of the room, and you go through his and you see his homework on the table, and you're just like, hey, don't mind if I do. Just fill out your homework real quick. We all did it. Don't lie to yourselves. Don't 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 lie to yourself. We all done it. But basically, that's what Facebook and Instagram are doing. They're copying the exact same feature from TikTok, the the thing that makes TikTok so popular, they're basically copying and pasting that into Instagram. And it's a feature called Real. Right now it's live in Brazil and it's gonna go into the world later on, maybe this year or early next year. We don't know exactly when it's gonna go live everywhere else, but it is another way of showing that TikTok is stealing away from the, the base of Instagram and from Facebook, just like Snapchat was stealing it away which is good because we can't have one platform to dominate and rule them all. So this is good news. I just hope TikTok is able to keep going and keep doing what they do. However, the good news for TikTok is it has Gen Z, which is a key demographic if you're trying to grow any kind of new platform or anything like that. Gen Z are not going to get on Facebook and Instagram is getting too questionable as some of them have said of a platform and so TikTok is the new thing is the new shiny thing we'll see how TikTok does in the long run right now they're doing amazing hopefully they're able to weather the storm of this new feature from Instagram moving on from there and my final story of the day apparently milk is going completely out of style remember those commercials when you were younger when it said I don't know how old anybody is but it said it got milk and the biggest thing was like you gotta drink milk I remember when I was in high school everywhere was that got milk sign everywhere was like you gotta drink milk you gotta drink milk you gotta drink milk milk is so important for you well it appears that's no longer the case the biggest milk producer in the United States just filed for bankruptcy Dean's food has been seeing decline of profits year over year over year. And last quarter, they just reported 14% decline in profits. In other words, they ain't making money. They're losing money. So they filed for bankruptcy and it's a ploy so that they can be able to just reshape the way that they are focused and what they're focused on. And this is how big corporations do it. Whenever they start losing money, before they lose all their money, they file for bankruptcy so they don't have to keep investing in the company so the government can help them a little bit and then they can reshape the way they do business. And basically, they said that dairy is no longer the industry. It's no longer what it was five years ago, 10 years ago. Dairy is no longer what it was. And it's true. Even me, I don't drink milk. First of all, I never drank milk like that off bat. And now, even when I eat oatmeal or any of these things, I basically only use almond milk. 
And so it's showing that the decline is very much so going downwards. And even more so to even tell you how much more alternatives to regular dairy milk pro products are, it is expected that this year, this year, $18 billion, the industry, the alternatives to dairy industry, so your almond milks, your soy milk, all these other things will surpass $18 billion, which is the largest that's ever been. And it just shows how much growth that the industry is going into, all milk alternatives is going into versus dairy, where we're seeing a decline in that industry. And another thing to note, since 1975, milk consumption in the United States has declined over 40%. And it's just showing that people are just not drinking milk like they used to. And it just follows the trend that we've been seeing in the food and drink industry with McDonald's reporting how people are no longer going to McDonald's. They're not seeing the same foot traffic with Coca-Cola reporting that their main Coke product is not selling that well. And so they're diversifying into aha, their sparkling water drink. And so we're seeing it all over the place. And then we're seeing Chipotle report growth and we're seeing the impossible burger and the impossible Whopper and all these other not meat products being sold because people are now a lot more self-conscious about oh what am i putting in my body what am i drinking what am i eating how healthy is that for me is that too much fat that i'm putting in my body all that kind of stuff especially with documentaries like what the which what the health was the worst was like it was the worst documentary ever because it had a lot of BS nonsense just laced into it. And then the entire world flipped over in a day talking about, I'm going vegan. I'm going vegan. Because of da 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 It's like, so just shut up. Like, there's so much nonsense in that what the hell documentary. It was so stupid. The, the amount of scientific research that was put into that was like next to none. There was no back, fully back scientific research put into that. Thing. Anyway, before I go off on a completely different rant, rant and just let me just end this thing. But anyway, thank each and every single one of y'all for listening today. Man, I went off on a on a major talking hygiene today. Main notes for today. One, DACA went before the Supreme Court, and hopefully that ruling will get upheld. Two, we are in a CEO apocalypse. CEOs can no longer be what they've been in the past. Being toxic and still making profits is not good enough. You have to make profits and stand up for some kind of social issues or customers are not going to buy your products. Three, Apple's future is based on your eyes. It's based on virtual and AR, which is virtual reality and augmented reality, which you not having to pick up a device, but actually use a device that's already on your face using voice rather than touch to interface with software. Four, Disney Plus just launched and they're banking on you being nostalgic about the old days, the good old days, as we all feel that the past was always better, even though we know we shouldn't do what we're doing. Don't text her. Don't do it. Don't do it. Put that phone down. Put that phone down. Don't send that text message. But we always think the past is always better. And Disney is banking on you being extremely nostalgic about Cinderella, about X-Men of 1998, and about all the old Pixar movies that you've always watched and loved. Five, Instagram is removing the like button. They're doing it because they say it's for your mental health awareness. And also they're releasing a new feature called Reels in order to capture some of the audience that is flowing over to TikTok so they don't lose their user base. And six, milk is out of style. People just don't drink milk anymore. They're going over to the alternative industry or alternate to milk industry. So that's all I got for y'all today. I hope y'all learned a little bit of something today. 
I'm about to get back in this cold weather and play some soccer. I hope it's not that cold, but it's going to be terrible. But I hope you all have a great one. Have a wonderful weekend. And I'm going to catch you all up on the next one. God bless you all. Peace.